Mana 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 this is social disgusting. Welcome to Social Disgusting, a podcast where my guests and I discuss our lives amidst the wanton hellscape in which we find ourselves. I'm Brandon, aka Brandon. Hope you're well. My guest is a culture critic and writer who's currently an editor at large for the film magazine Bright Wall Dark Room and also teaches undergraduate creative writing at Rutgers University in Newark. Please welcome Fran Hefner. Welcome. Hey, thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. Oh, I, I love to have any excuse to use up time, you know? <laughs> fair, fair enough. I know for me, I need a project. So I was like, oh, well, nobody's doing podcasts, so let's do one of oh, those. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're still <laughs> sort of on the underground. <laughs> yeah. It's such an untapped market, you know? Totally. <laughs> it's interesting. Like, I did a podcast, and now suddenly Obama and Springsteen are doing one. And yeah, that like, is... Hmm. Do you feel like they've sort of moved in on your territory? You know what, as somebody who's been in this for just under a year now... It's annoying. Yeah, you know, I think I set the tone, um, and I, you know, I've had a lot of therapy about this, so I think okay. that that's a fair thing. Okay, cool. But yeah, you know, I, it just feels like, oof, I cast a large shadow, so, yeah. with great power, etc. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, just as a, an opening salvo, the easy-to-ask, difficult-to-answer question, how are you? How am I? I'm 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 good, I would say. I think every week it's like there's two good days and then maybe at best five totally medium days. That is a very great way to put it. That's deep way. Yeah, that really resonates with me. And I feel like I got into that that kind of like feedback loop of sorts where I did two in a row and then my childlike brain is like, okay, this is momentum. And then I get blindsided by just an inexplicable bad day and I'd have to reckon with that. Totally. Yeah. And when you have the bad ones, they are like reckonable bad days. They're not yes. just like, because like the things that used to go wrong in everyday life of, oh, my train is late or these like minor inconveniences don't happen. So when it's a bad day, it's because like, it's bad. <laughs> Capital yes. B. Yeah. 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 Instead now it's just like uh, anything could happen at any time, mood wise or otherwise at this point. So yeah, I think I'm, I'm definitely like uh I'm going with the mental current now and just like, yeah, you know, this shit just happens sometimes. Mm -hmm. I see it in my head of like uh, running with the bulls in Pamplona and I'm just the bulls <laughs> that are my breakdown. I'm just trying to keep as much separation from me and the bull as much as possible. Yes, totally. Totally. <laughs> it's I'm always just riding the wave of whatever the day is and I'm not trying to fight against it too hard. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Like, uh, I'm definitely like trying to be more mindful of, and I have been of, of like being fair with myself and like realizing like it's okay to not be okay. Mm -hmm. Like that's okay. That's okay. You yeah. Know, you, you don't have to nail it. Yeah, totally. And when I have sort of productive streaks, I try to chase them. And when I'm having very unproductive streaks, I don't try to like shoehorn something, some kind type of process that is just not going to happen. It's just not fair to myself right now, I don't think. Um, and little that I do has like deeply pressing urgency, which is a great relief. Oh, yeah. No, I can't imagine. Speaking personally, I can't imagine what it is to be like a person who is like, quote unquote, like important with like major responsibilities during all of this. Mm -hmm. I, I've like never been more grateful to have types of work that just doesn't really matter than I do right now because I 
I think for a long time I was learning to develop a healthy attitude around work. I think I was very di- addicted to work, not, yeah. sort of not in the most recent few years, but definitely like in the early part of my career, I was very blinded by ambition and blinded by like the necessity to be working all the time. And working to like unlearn that leading up to this time has been really good because I'm just like, my work is my work. And when I'm not doing it, I'm really not doing it. I'm not thinking about it. Yeah, no, I know exactly what you mean. Like there was a long time where it would personal time and professional completely blurred. And it, and frankly, like I almost had like a almost like a Stockholm syndrome with work. Mm-hmm. And I just couldn't get there was never an off time and it really man, I had I just had a genuine breakdown at one point because you just I just got so caught up in it. Mhm. Yeah. Totally. I I am grateful to be on like the other side of that in the midst of everything that's happening now cuz I really can like just clock out. Which is great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There is genuine value in that. Mm-hmm. Um, and like doing, for me, I like trying to find things I can do that where I'm like, it's a repetitive enough task to where I can kind of like zone out, but stuff is still like processing in the background. Mm-hmm. Like I love, it's a very therapeutic thing to me to like wash dishes by hand. Oh, it's amazing. I love it. It's. I love it. I like, okay, I have to, do, I have a dishwasher now for like the first time as an adult yeah. And, I, and I sort of resent it. I don't really want it. <laughs> and more often than not, I will just hand wash a dish. Well, this is also like my my professional background initially is in food service. And okay. I've worked as many years in food service as I have in like the arts and sort of creative fields. And my experience in food service also is that like when you want to be like left the hell alone, you go do dishes because only one person can do dishes at a time. And when you're doing it, it's like that's all you. Yeah. And I have just, it's always been a comfort ever since I was like 22, just to be like, I'm going to do my dishes and no one will talk to me because I can't hear you over the water. So yes. like, this is my time. Yes, it is a delightful solitude. I can, it's like driving for me. Like I can do mm-hmm. it and, I, and I've done it long enough, you know, where I'm like, I, I know how to do it and I can zone out in a way that's not dangerous, but I can also just kind of like have real clear thinking, I guess, because in my brain, I'm like, I'm resigned to doing this for however long. Yeah. Totally. That's nice. Uh, question. So you, what a subtle transition. Question. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good. It's good. I like to know yeah. what's coming. I don't okay, like surprises. Good. So this is good for me. Spoiler alert, colon, question, exclamation point. You were doing this, and it's, like, maybe still are, uh, a, at least part-time professor yeah. of creative writing at Rutgers University. Mm-hmm. What What was that like um, during all of this? It, it was so, it was really odd and really crazy. So like all of this kind of started up, you know, around a year ago. So like early March, 2020, I was in my last semester of grad school. I was in my second semester of teaching mm-hmm. and we were, you know, starting to pay attention to the other universities and colleges on the East coast, at least that were starting to shut down. So, like, I remember, like, Harvard shut down maybe, like, two or three days ahead of us. And we were like, okay, well, like, they're babies. Like, so they have to protect themselves. But I think at, like, a state university, it's okay if everyone dies. So we were like, maybe we won't go. And then, you know, like, the Technical Institute sort of in Newark shut down. And we were just kind of waiting. It was right before spring break for us. And they... I was, you know, we were just like waiting to hear and waiting to hear. I was on campus the day they announced I was teaching 
And as much as I could tell my students like not to be on their phones in class or to only use laptops like if necessary in class, like obviously they were all sort of plugged in. And my students cheered when they canceled class, which was sort of like <laughs> um, yeah. kind of heartbreaking. But like I also like I totally get it. Um, and because initially what they called, they were like, OK, you know, we're going to end a little early before spring break and we're going to be remote the first week after spring break. And then probably we're going to come back. So for them, they were like, it's a two week spring break. It seemed adorable now. It seems adorable now to think, oh, we'll be back in like six weeks then. Yeah. And it's like, obviously, we had no idea. But it's just like, wow, we had no idea. Yeah, and it was, and then as you know, things spiraled, it became like, okay, well, like spring semester, that's kind of a wash. Yeah. But then then I taught through the summer, I taught through fall, I'm teaching remote still now. So I'm very lucky. I've been teaching remote the entire time. I've had no pressure from the institution to go in person. I've, I haven't gone to, had to go to campus for anything. I went last summer to like make some copies, uh, which was kind of cool just to be on campus when no one was there. But There's been no need to like be sort of in person, which is good to keep everyone safe. But it's just been fascinating to watch just sort of this shifting student attitudes because I think, you know, last spring and last spring, everyone was just in shock and it really just became like, okay, just like get like the bare minimum stuff turned in. And like, I'm not not out here to punish people for struggling during a pandemic, especially in creative writing. Yeah. Like. I think a lot of this has just cast like grading into perspective and school into perspective. The way a lot of systems have just been exposed as kind of fake, I feel very committed to like, oh, I'm going to give someone like a D in creative writing. What kind of asshole am I for doing that? <laughs> like, if people are putting, if my students are putting in essentially like the minimal effort and like doing what I ask, there's no reason why they wouldn't pass the class and probably do better than that. And so I've just adopted a really lax attitude that. I'm sure they love because I feel like they think they're getting one over on me, but it's my idea. So like I'm getting one over on them, but <laughs> I have the power. And like, it's, you know, like I, there are so many things that I took for granted when I was in school, like internet connection and the extent to which like some of them are like on zoom school while also living at home with their families where like best case scenario, maybe their parents are both also on remote work but then maybe they have siblings also on remote school some of them have parents who are still going into work some of them like a lot of my students work a lot of them are still working like in food service and stuff like that so it has just been like a lesson in patience and just being kind of the most relaxed version of myself yeah no I, i can imagine and like honestly just thinking about it from the perspective of like me when i was like in junior high or even or high school but but even college, like how much that is, this must be the process, like at any age. Like I can't yeah. imagine what that is. And then for somebody to expect somebody to be like productive during that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've like slowly really, I've slowly cut the amount of homework they have due like in half every single semester. Yeah. And I think if you looked at it, you'd be like, oh, she's just gotten really lazy. But it's like, I've, I don't think, I mean, I've had students get COVID, like every single semester, like a significant portion of my class has gotten sick for one reason or another. And like, I'm not, I, again, I'm like not out here to be like, oh, you didn't turn on in your 300 word writing assignment on setting because you had a virus, you get a C in class. I'm just, I'm just not interested in sort of like applying all that sort of old world mentality. And maybe I'm not interested in bringing it back either, but 
it's been totally odd. I feel, I mean, I feel bummed for them processing it. I feel bummed for like the seniors. Oh yeah. Who are, you know, not getting to like celebrate their graduation in like a really legitimate way. Like, I mean, I couldn't have cared less about my graduate school graduation up until they canceled it. And then I was really bad. <laughs> yeah. Well, so yeah, you graduated during this, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, which congratulations, first Thank of all. Thank you so much. Yes. But yeah, it's something could be said for like deciding not to go to your graduation, making mm-hmm. making that choice for yourself. Yeah. Uh, did you have a virtual grad? Was that a thing? Yeah, there was a big thing on YouTube, a big live stream. Uh, Cory Booker spoke, I believe. Oh. I logged on for maybe two minutes of it and was like, I absolutely am not sort of emotionally capable of handling watching this at all. I know my parents watched and said it was fine. Yeah. yeah. It right. was always something that mattered more to them than it did to me. Um, so I'm glad they got to tune into it. It's, it's a bummer for sure. I, yeah, I can't imagine. I just as somebody with just a BS in journalism, which mm. is wow, what a great choice on my part. Mm. But just having that, uh, and and when we had, you know, obviously this was pre-pandemic by a margin, that I didn't go to my graduation because in my mind I'm like, yeah, I did what I was supposed to do. I don't need to. I'm good. I don't need mm-hmm. to graduate. But I had that choice, and there's a big difference, you know, between my choosing that because I'm just uh, a cranky ale. <laughs> and you yeah. having the choice of going on YouTube or just not. You know, that's so different, obviously. Yeah, and like graduate school gra- graduations are like on weekdays too. So it really was just like a Tuesday or a Thursday morning where I could or could not go on to YouTube. And it felt like yeah. I don't want to do this. I don't want to. I was in such denial at that point anyway, even though I think like I had already had two months to like adjust to the world. But I think even by the like late last May, I still really did not have a full understanding of what was happening. I mean, just the just the idea of like, hey, log in to YouTube to go to your graduation. <laughs> it doesn't feel yeah. real at all. Mm-hmm. That doesn't feel real. Yeah, it's I I there's no way to even simulate the like sitting with your friends. It's just sort of like texting right. in separate windows to be like, are you watching our graduation? I just like I couldn't do it. I didn't want to do it. <laughs> Too sad. No, it's just the just the the idea of like no, I'm gonna on that same thing that I could attend my graduation on. I'm gonna I'm gonna watch First Cow again. Yeah, totally. I mean, yeah, I think I think I probably did something like that, or I took a big walk or something. Yeah, I was still in big walk phase around that time too. <laughs> you moved to Brooklyn during all this as well. I guess not that long ago. Really? Yeah, I did the mid-pandemic move. I did it in um, October. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. How was that? Oh, like the easiest thing I've done (laughs) during this time. Um, Yeah, that was really... So, I mean, I'd been going to school out in Jersey. I was living in Jersey for in-state tuition purposes, but I had basically been like cosplaying a Brooklynite. And I had like my small pocket of Jersey friends, but really most of the people I knew out here and one of the reasons I moved out east to go to grad school was because I had all these friends in New York. And it wasn't until... March of last year where I was like oh I I live in New Jersey that's where I live and that's where I have to stay now and so you know I had this kind of great six months leading up to the move where I felt sort of forced to like reckon with where I live in a very serious way which is like good because I think like a weird transient thing about a lot of people in their 20s is they just like live somewhere but they're like not engaged with it at all um, oh yeah 
like they don't know who their neighbors are and they're not involved in their community they don't know the name of like i mean if you're i don't know like i know which is to say you could just easily live anywhere in that regard totally totally it's like i maybe couldn't have told you the name of the jersey city mayor up until march of this past year then i was suddenly (laughs) like i absolutely know the name of our mayor yeah then yeah i moved in october in part because i was like i would like to be closer to a lot of the people i moved out here to be close to in the first place and it has made quality of life i think a lot better just to be you know 10 to 15 minutes away by foot from folks rather than you know two train rides i would imagine new york you know obviously so much is said about the energy of it this palpable energy about new york and granted i i don't know what the energy is like right now or what that constitutes but i i would imagine though if if in your mind you moved to that area in general uh, uh, you know new jersey being not that far off to be in new york to be there must be like i feel like that would recharge my batteries yeah, definitely. And I think the thing about like taking the six months to decide if I wanted to do it, especially because New York and by some extent, New Jersey were hit so hard in the beginning, was it just yeah. sort of reconfirmed like, I really do want to stay out here. And it's important for me to live out here. And the people I care about are here. And I want to like stay close to them. And I cast like, I've no beef with anyone who left, but it just became sort of more and more clear to me that I wanted to stay. Well, that's good. Yeah. And um, it's weird that, that for me, kind of reminds me of that, how sometimes I feel like I react in a very almost like, oh, like my body is like physically telling me I need to do this thing or mm-hmm. I love that thing. Mm-hmm. And granted, it could take that six months too, where I have to kind of realize, of, oh, this is still a strong feeling I have. So I clearly like love this thing and need to do that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I just I'm I'm excited for things to like start to come back here slowly and safely. But it's been it's been nice to be in New York this winter. And like, you know, I stayed through Christmas. I stayed through New Year's. I haven't gone home at all. I've been out here the entire time. So it it was, you know, cool and weird and quiet and ghostly <laughs> like over the holidays. It was it was it was interesting. It, it was special in its own weird, sad way. Well, yeah, just the idea it's almost like uh to, to be relatively speaking in one of those dystopian movies where, oh, nobody's in Times Square. Yeah. Like, this is ominous and confusing because you're so used to that energy. Totally. I, I had to be kind of Times Square adjacent for a work thing not too long ago, maybe about a month ago. Yeah. And I was like, I'm going to go through Times Square sort of on my way back to my apartment and walked through that area, which is very, very deserted, very quiet. And I was like, I want to go past like the Regal and the AMC and stuff. And it was crazy to see like the movie theaters here have been closed the entire time. They're about to reopen, I think, March 5th, which oh, is not wow. to say I'm going back to them. But they, yeah. there's been no opening. And all the marquees were still up from like late last February. So it was like <laughs> Sonic the Hedgehog and like Invisible Man. And I sent a picture to my friend and they were like, we knew that Sonic was going to be like some kind of harbinger of doom. But I don't think we knew <laughs> that it was going to be like this. <laughs> well, we underestimated the power of Sonic. I know, and his weird teeth. Um, but <laughs> it was ever-changing teeth, yeah. It was very odd to do that. I think Brooklyn feels a little bit more lively because it's so residential, but Manhattan is very odd and quiet. Well, this is switching gears. Here's another spoiler. Okay. So you can prepare yourself. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to discuss your four favorite letterbox films. Oh, Okay. Okay, which are Force Majeure, mm-hmm. Broadcast News, mm-hmm. The Lost City of Z, and mm-hmm. Secrets of uh, Secrets and Lies. Yes. Now, 
Admittedly, I need to rewatch Secrets and Lies. It's been a long time, but I remember loving it. Yeah. And also, I love Mike Lee's Topsy Turvy mm-hmm. very much. So I need to actually need to just go through his stuff again. But Lost City of Z did really stand out because I love that movie. Mm-hmm. And it was the, not the first movie, but it was like pre-Good Time. Good Times? Yeah. Where it was just like, oh yeah, Robert Pattinson can act his ass off. Oh, totally. It's maybe my favorite Pattinson performance of all time. You know, the funny thing is that when I watched that movie, it took me, I don't know, maybe like, honestly, 10 minutes of him being on screen to realize that's him. Oh my God, I, I know. Did, I know, I did it's not so realize. Great. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> I love I love his little look in that movie, his little spectacles. <laughs> he looks amazing. Yeah. And and just that he's like, it's like such a great supporting role. And, and funnily enough, you know, Brad Pitt was going to star in that initially. Mm-hmm. And um, what's his name? God, I can't remember his name. Charlie but... Charlie Hunnam. Charlie Hunnam, my boy. Man, he, he gives he gives such a such a Brad Pitt performance. Like it's like it was the first time for me where I was like, oh yeah, this dude can be a real like a genuine movie star. He's so great in it, and I love to root for him, even though there may not be a ton of evidence to support that. But I I really enjoy Hunnam, and I love him in that movie, and that's one. That was just such a surprise for me. Like, I had really loved James James Gray's The Immigrant, which was his one he did before that. Yeah, I did really like that. And I remember seeing Lost City of Z kind of just on a whim, like, back when it came out, back when I was living in Chicago, and not really knowing anything about it. Yeah. And just being completely blown away by it. And I got to see it when a rep theater showed it here in New York. Kind oh, of, wow. Kind of recently. Maybe, like, a... 2019 thanksgiving so not all too long ago and getting to see it again on the big screen was just like yeah this thing is so special and so beautiful and mysterious and weird yeah um i can kind of just put it on whenever and just let it let it play you know i feel like that that is kind of an an underrated i would imagine i've not seen it in the theater unfortunately but like an underrated great theater movie Totally. Because watching it just on my TV on Amazon, that watching it, I was truly blown away by it. And it's such like a deceptively big movie and so ambitious. Mm -hmm. I I can't imagine. I think I've read something about it, but the hell of filming that, you know, anytime filming in the jungle like that, (laughs) I'm like, you're not, you you guys aren't going to beat the jungle. You're going to lose. So I can't imagine filming in those elements. I love that aspect of like, you're never going to beat the jungle. Okay, admittedly, yeah. when I saw it in New York, I was on an edible and I was like, okay, like the jungle is going to come for us all. Like, we just have <laughs> yeah. to be at peace with that. And I'm also like, I've done a little bit of like jungle hiking in Southeast Asia. My brother and I traveled out there and did a lot oh, yeah. of hiking. And similarly there, you see a tree that is like, you know, 800 years old or something. <laughs> and you're just like, oh, I, we can't hold a candle to this. Like, this is coming for all of us. And that's... The thing, this tree has survived. Can't imagine. Totally, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so when I saw that in your list, I'm like, oh, I God, I love that movie. And I'm going to rewatch that soon. Because I just remember, I, I was honestly, when I, that first time I watched it, I was like marveling at it. I guess because I, in my mind, I'm like, oh, I, I didn't know they still made movies like this. Because it's so... Uh, I don't know, of its time, of the past, I guess. But it's such a great, like, interesting real-life adventure film. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it does feel like something totally out of the past. And I don't think anyone has made anything similar to it since, except for, like, Ad Astra, which is also James Gray. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Your other, well, you have two others that we haven't talked about. Mm -hmm. Broadcast News, one of my all-time favorites. It's in my Letterbox Top 4 as well. I love it so much. Yeah, it's just perfect. It is. It's so good. 
And force majeure, which I've seen it one time. Okay. It's so good. Mm-hmm. So well made. It also is like nerve wracking to yeah. see it just the inciting incident, obviously, but then just like, you know where this is going and it's just ratcheting up the awkwardness and the tension. Did you see the, the quote unquote, the inevitable unfortunate remake? Because I haven't seen it. No, no. Okay. This was sort of one of my last pre-pandemic bits or like causes was okay. boycotting downhill <laughs> and being really yeah. rude about downhill <laughs> which i've heard is is like fine everyone's like it's okay and i'm like i'm never gonna watch it i've not seen it i will i will never see it not um let me just officially i'm never seeing it okay that no i just i have no <laughs> desire to see it because I, even as I, when i was watching it i'm like oh god they're gonna remake this i don't know how, what it's gonna be like i know it's not gonna be Anything close to that, it's going to not be good. I didn't know it'd be a Will Ferrell, Dewey, Louis Dreyfus vehicle. Mm-hmm. But I, I just have, I, you know, I'm good forever on that. Yeah. Personally. Yeah, me too. <laughs> the last movie you saw in the theater was yes. the Ben Affleck basketball alcohol movie. The Way Back. The Way Back. Great this, movie, I, don't, I think. <laughs> I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Yeah, honestly. I did too. I wouldn't have seen it in the theater personally, although that doesn't. I'm not the person who should say that, considering the last two movies I saw in the theater. One as a bit. The last movie I saw was Cats. Oh, okay. It was like Sonic? Um. No, no. Okay, I wish. Cats. In okay. retrospect, I wish. I saw Cats as a bit with a friend who's like, what if we saw Cats? And then we saw Cats, and within five, not like, probably maybe five minutes, I turned to her, and I was like, why did we do this? Yeah. Because I, I just, we just got caught up in it. And little did I know that'd be the last one. And the second to last movie I saw in the theater, um, just because I was like, I, I got time, why not, was uh, The Rise of Skywalker. So oh, yeah. Yeah. So as a devout film lover, boy, did I did I screw the pooch on <laughs> I mean, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's fe- feels sort of perfect to have gone out on the way back, which was just sort of like the ideal, I think we saw like an 11 a.m. matinee on like, oh, a nice. Saturday, just me and two of my buddies who lived in Jersey City as just sort of like, oh, fuck it, let's go see this. Um, and it was like, we had no expectations, and so it obviously surpassed them. Kind of a perfect way to kill two hours. I, lo- I love Ben Affleck. I would kind of watch him do anything, so. I really like him, yeah. So, I mean, it's a funny one to have gone out on. I guess my second to last one was First Cow, which I had already seen at that point, but I went to go see it again, which I'm glad I saw. I wish I'd seen that in the theater. I had not had the experience. Although, you know, I did see, for the first time ever, I went to a, a drive-in movie last year. Oh, cool. In November, and I saw, it was like a local film festival here, and I saw Nomadland. Oh, I bet and that was amazing at the drive-in. It was really great, yeah. I mean, again, like, you know, I was like, oh, I can take my shoes off and not be a weirdo. Yeah. <laughs> so I did that. I kind of moved my seat back, stretched out, watched it, at, you know, it was at night, and it was kind of like nice out, and... I mean, just a, a fantastic movie. Um, yeah, but it was a really, it was a great experience. Yeah, I haven't gotten a chance to do any of that, any of the drive-in stuff, or I haven't done any like renting out of theaters. But I hope, I hope to do something like that soon. I'm really excited for the theaters to come back. Maybe it's a what if, but I, I don't normally traffic in what ifs. It might not be. We'll see. TBD. But if there is one movie coming out in 2021 that you could see in the theater, what do you think that would be? Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> I've like, I've completely forgotten sort of what is even on this, on the slate. That's, of, that's fair. Of things. I'm like Fast 9, Fast and Furious 9. I don't <laughs> oh, that'd be great. 
Yeah, that'd be great. I I think mine, honestly, not that I'm like you know a big like Herbert head, but I think Dune would be pretty great on a big screen. Oh sure. I like Villeneuve's movies a lot, so whatever that movie is going to be exactly, mm-hmm. I'm just very intrigued to see it because it feels like watching it on HBO Max is just wrong. Yes, totally. Um, that's a really good one. I'm also really excited for that. I have like no real familiarity with Dune in general, but I, I love Villeneuve, so I'm looking forward to that. I listened to the audiobook of like two or three, the first two or three Dune books, and um, it man, they are so complicated. And I was listening to them at a time when I was just at like alpha, no attention span mm. amidst the pandemic. So not a lot of seeped in, quite honestly. So I think it's going to be, <laughs> oh, yeah, I know that. Like, that's a word I know. Oh, yes. Yeah. Spice. Spice. Indeed. Yeah, spice. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Mm, that thing anybody knows about when they know about Dune. Not a lot seeped in. I am curious to see what. You know, after what feels like five years of delays, that new Bond movie's like. Yeah, I was going to say, like, my, my fr- I mean, all my franchises I'm still opted into. So, like, the new Bond, the new Mission Impossible. Um, I remember, I mean, one of the last movies I saw in theaters was The Gentleman. And I remember all of the sort of cardboard cutouts at the AMC with all the things for, like, the Kingsman prequel. Yeah, and my friends and I were like, "Oh God, I can't believe we're gonna pay to see this." Like the group <laughs> that I, the group that I was very enthusiastically seeing a new Guy Ritchie movie with, is totally the group I would also go see um, the new Matthew Vaughn movie with. So, <laughs> all that stuff, I'm sort of excited to see my garbage again. Venom, new Venom, I can't wait. Oh yeah, um, can't wait for that. I actually do think, um, spe- along the lines of Venom, I think the new Ruben Ostland is supposed to come out. This oh really? Year, which okay. is I think starring Woody Harrelson, or he's one of the main people in it. Um, so I'm I'm always eager to you know see what he's doing, and like I loved the Square, so I'm just very oh, on too. board with him. Oh, Square is kooky. It's a crazy movie. It's not boring. Yeah, but it's just so like it's weird. The phrasing it was used. It's so professionally done. Mm-hmm. I watched that like marveling at it, being like, oh, this guy knows exactly what he wants to accomplish and can do that. Yeah. Very easily. He's just like, oh, he's very good at what he does. Yeah. So I'm ex- I'm excited for the new stuff, but I'm sort of only thinking in like B-movie mode, I think. I just want to like see exactly my dumb right. stuff with my snacks. Yes. I want to luxuriate in a good, bad movie. I, yeah. That'd be so... Oh, yes. Because I also think like a lot of home viewing has been like, oh, I'm going to catch up on like classics I've never seen and like quote unquote great films where like if not now, when... But yes. at this point, like, I want my my dirt. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I know what you mean, because like, I've been lately, and this, this, sounds, this sounds pretentious, but I've been like watching a lot of stuff from the 70s that I've been meaning to watch. Mm-hmm. And it's been great to watch good movies, obviously. Yeah. But I want to watch something that's just delightfully disposable. And yeah. something that, but also though in a way that's just like, that has like meaning and value. It's something that I like, I that involves a trip. And paying money and it having like some little bit of stakes as opposed to, you know, kind of watching, watching it on a, on a laptop and then like, honestly, kind of zoning in and out sometimes. Well, that's the thing. Like, so I've, I mean, I've been watching a lot of quote unquote great stuff. I've been trying to do these sort of like self-imposed like director sweeps. So I did all the Mike Lee's last year. I'm doing all the Terrence Malick movies right now, but like. You know, something like Wonder Woman 1984, I haven't seen, but like if it had come out in theaters in an otherwise normal year, I totally would have gone to see. But I just somehow I'm like, 
knowing I can watch it at home, knowing that I'm going to text through it, is just very unappealing to me. I would have yeah. rather spent the, you know, $15 to dislike it but not be able to text during it than <laughs> to just have my phone at hand or my knitting at hand or something. And I really miss, like, being asked to focus on something that is not incredible. Oh, I agree. It's like reading a magazine in a doctor's office. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. like... It's like, oh man, great magazine. Oh yeah, you know, but there's nothing, there's no stakes on any level tied to it. It's just like enjoying a thing that's free, so of course it feels nice. Mm-hmm. And that that is that weird that weird juxtaposition of you pay for a streaming service, but then once you've watched like two movies, I guess everything is like kind of free, and then you're it feels like you're not paying for these these things. Yeah. And so then I'm just way more. I guess I'm more indifferent, relatively speaking, as opposed to like loving or despising a movie that I pay for in a theater and just kind of experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's been interesting. There have been a handful of things I've watched also where I'm like, okay, at home, I think this is fine. But I think if I had seen this in a theater, I would have like totally flipped out for it. But I just can't. I just can't gauge anymore. Yeah. But that's happened like just a rare handful of times. And it's always sort of like there might be something here, but... The part of my brain that usually surrenders itself to this is just like sort of tuned out. I completely agree. And and when you were mentioning before that you did a Malik deep dive, mm-hmm. I, I did watch Badlands for the first time not that long ago. It's that thing where it's like, oh, yeah, that, that thing a number of people consider a classic. Like, oh, I get it. It's pretty fantastic. Yeah. Uh, and you I know you just recently rewatched Tree of Life, which I have to rewatch. And I'm first like time for me. Very oh, first, is it first time. time. Yeah. Okay. I, I saw it in the theater way back when. But. Honestly, I don't think I was really ready for it, and I need to rewatch it now. Yeah, and i that's sort of how I felt when it came out. I sort of remember like the initial dialogue around it coming out, and I, I just sort of knew I was going to be too immature for it at the time. And just like, I don't think I was ready for Malik until maybe last fall, when I did this sort of like unintentional one-two punch of song to song and then hidden life um yes, and i was yeah. like oh these i these both speak to me in very weird and different ways and when they put up a bunch of his on criterion channel i was like okay i'm gonna do the sweep and i'm lucky that you know one of my friends who i moved to be 15 minutes walking distance from is like oh i have all the malix on blu-ray so i got to use my sort of friend as personal library and go grab those and then watch them here which has been great oh that's really nice yeah uh, you know that that um hidden a uh, hidden life I still need to watch that. I just Googled it because I, I, I was like, am I conflating with something else? That's one that I need to watch. But actually, you know, the the, the Olga Kirilenko Affleck one with Rachel McAdams that he did. Is that To the Wonder? Yes. That's next I, on my list. Okay. I, something about that movie, I, I you know, I, I guess just like the ethereal quality of his films in general. That one really did it for me. I love that movie. That's what I've heard about. Like, you know, that one and Night of Cups and Song to Song, I think, are very divisive. But, like, I, re- I really enjoyed Song to Song. So I sort of think I might be inclined to like these slightly more modern ones. I mean, Hidden Life feels very old, Malachy. It feels very yeah. Badlands. Feels very feels very Days of Heaven, mostly. And I really love it because that just sort of, that story is so compelling. And the, the score of that one is good. Like, Malik, I'm a big classical music head. So Malik's use of classical in general is just so, I just love it. So... Hidden Life was totally for me. And that's one where, like, you know, it it played in New York, I think, for, like, two weeks in January of 2020. And what was I doing? I could have gone to see that. <laughs> what was I doing? I relive all those days now. Just, like, what was I doing? Yeah, I, it made me realize, like, I should have had so much more of a sense of urgency mm-hmm. 
that obviously it's not like I could. Oh, I should I should have known this would happen. Not like anybody could. <laughs> but but like all the movies I missed out on, or or I went through a point in my head of like all the like plans I broke that I'm like, oh, I would have had a good time. Oh well. Oh well. <laughs> we live and learn, don't we? We live and learn. <laughs> I was a real sort of like leaving the party super early type, and now I think yeah. I've fully unlearned that. I mean, I've ruined my bedtime completely, so it's like I'm ready to stay out late again one of these days. <laughs> I just want the ability to cancel plans at the very least. Mm-hmm. You know, like I can't make them, do them, and that would be great, but just to go back to, to like, oh, I want to not do a thing by choice. Yeah. That'd be nice. Yeah. That'd be nice. Totally. Okay, well, I don't want to take up too much of your time. Thank you for doing this, first of all. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for having me. Yes, absolutely. Uh, What all, if anything, do you want to point people toward before we wrap it up? Oh gosh. I mean, you know, Twitter, Letterboxd, Instagram, it's all my name, Fran Hoffner. Uh, People are welcome to follow and yell at me if they want about movies or anything. (laughs) Um, I, I have new fiction coming soon. Oh, cool. Which I guess if you wa- if you pay attention to any of those, maybe not Letterboxd unless I can find a sort of shoehorned way to promote it. But um, <laughs> yeah, I you know I have writing coming out here and there, but I'm also trying to like take a step back and just uh, you know teach my students, live my life. Yeah. 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 Fair enough. If I've learned anything in all this, that man, a pandemic's a hell of a way to get perspective. Mm-hmm. But uh, it you know it did it. Yeah, I should say there's always there's always good stuff to be read at Brightwell Dark Room. I'm sort of like on a breather from writing just because I am so bad about putting words to a page these days. But yeah. other people are doing amazing at it. And I love to read their <laughs> stuff uh, and occasionally edit. But usually I'm just being like, yep, this is perfect. This is perfect. This is also perfect. Um, that's been a that's been a real balm of a site during this time. So, yes, BrightwallDarkRoom.com. Mm-hmm. Yes. And uh, yeah, and thank you again. This is oh my great. gosh. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, absolutely. Thank you all for listening. Please take care. Please wear a mask or seven, but you know, be kind to yourself. It's okay to not be okay. Lead with empathy. Thank you again. Bye.